0: The third plague is not mentioned a lot in the sense that there's not a lot of dialogue between Pharaoh and Moses. And the plague is, it's a horrible plague, but it's also a very short one. The fourth plague brings about the dialogue. The interesting part of the third plague, as we mentioned yesterday, the interesting aspect of it is that the magicians and the wise men of Egypt, those who, the enchanters, those who did the magic and made Pharaoh feel like he was still on top, told him basically, this is the finger of God at work and we're in trouble. You need, to, you need to make a deal with God. You need to work this out because this is the finger of God at work. And so when we get to the fourth plague, we get to what I would, in my own ministry and in my own life, historically, I would have said this is the bargaining aspect of the Christian life, how we bargain with God. But the truth is, the more I think about it and the more I consider it, that's not an aspect of the Christian life. That's a residue of the worldly life. We are uh, bargaining with God is a residue and of an understanding that is not true. First of all, that it's not true that God is one to be bargained with. Second of all, it's not true that if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, if you're going to be part of the eternal city, if you're going to be a part of the group of the firstborn, if you're going, if you're going to be a part of God's plan and God's work in the world, if you're going to be a part of his kingdom work, in this world, then you need to understand that God is sovereign and that his will is perfect and pleasing and good for you, and that it's not to be bargained with. It's not a will to be bargained with. If you are bargaining with God, you are acting like you did when you were a part of this world, when you were operating in your worldly or carnal nature, when you were being who you are in in the flesh. It's not an aspect of a vibrant, growing, becoming Christian life. Bargaining with God is not, is not where a Christian who is becoming all the great things that God has for them to be, who is growing, who is maturing, who is being refined by the fire like we talked about last night as we studied through the book of Daniel. It's not, it's not that. It is being like you used to be in the world. And by the way, the world has nothing to offer. The world has nothing to give you. The world does not bring about the big, the great things in your life. The world, all it offers is struggle and death. Now, the kingdom of God offers struggle, but that struggle brings about a greater life, greater purpose, greater vision. And when we look at this story, we see Pharaoh beginning to try to work out a deal with God, but there's no deal with God to be had. God says, let my people go, serve me. And Pharaoh keeps trying to work out how that's going to work out. And if you do not work out, if you do not consent or give in to God's will, then he is going to bring about purposes that bring about his will because his will be done. In fact, that's a part of the prayer we pray to him that he taught us to pray. Thy will be done is what we say in in that prayer. And so uh, understanding that and seeing that is important. He says, it says in verse 20, and the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning. We don't know if this was a day, two days, three days after gnats or lice were unleashed on Pharaoh. You're going to also see here, which is important, God is going to begin to separate out the world And he's going to separate out his people. And so the plagues that are beginning to affect everyone are going to just affect the Egyptians. And he says, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. What he's saying is, I want you to catch Pharaoh right at the start of the day. I want Pharaoh to understand that I'm coming all the time at him. He says, then say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. And notice He's telling Moses to say, let my people go that they may serve me. He's not giving hes not giving Pharaoh some wiggle room on this. He's not giving him an opportunity to say, I, I like this and I don't want that. He's saying, let my people go that they may serve me. And whatever that means to serve me is what it means. It's not for you to negotiate or decide. He says, or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. Now, he's already sent gnats, and gnats are bad. Gnats are terrible. Gnats are something that my wife would definitely hate. I even had my, my niece send a recipe for getting rid of gnats in your house in the comments yesterday and obviously the my wife's family is not only adverse to gnats but they've got even recipes how to get rid of them out of your house and so and by the way i've seen my wife do the same thing and it does work i'm not sure if it works for millions and billions of gnats but it might if you did it on a grand scale but it works but this is flies and let me tell you something gnats my wife would not like flies uh she cannot handle. And these are not just flies. These are not the flies, the common house flies that you would think about seeing in, in your houses today, the flies that we have in the southern United States. These are what, more akin to what we would understand to be horse flies here. And you say, what is a horse fly? A horse fly in Alabama is a fly that is about 10 times bigger than the original fly. It looks like just a souped up version of the fly. Now, the problem with a horsefly is it's not like a small fly that enters your house. Horseflies around here bite you, and they literally bite. They, when you, they land on you and they bite you, they hurt. And these flies that they're talking about here in Egypt are likely akin to the horsefly and less akin to the housefly of modern day. And so he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if you don't let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. He says, The house of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies. Now, we're not talking about a few flies. Notice he said, swarms of flies. And if you've ever seen a swarm of anything, you understand how powerful that is. And also the ground on which they stand. He says, and in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that they may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Notice, he is telling them that he is he's going to send these swarms of flies, he's going to send these flies that attack the Egyptians, and he's going to let his old people know that he's the Lord their God and that he is taking care of them, and that this is for the purpose of their deliverance. And let me say this, when God judges the world, and he regularly does that, you can see that at work in many ways in the world as we live it. If you have spiritual eyes to see, you can see that going on. When you see that going on, you understand as a believer, you begin to have that assurance that God is handling things, that God is taking care of things. And when you begin to be submissive to kingdom work, meaning that you are hearing God's word and you are obedient by faith, not obedient for obedience sake, but obedient by faith, you're choosing to hear God's word and choosing to act upon God's word because you trust him. When that is happening in your life, and that's important, when that is happening in your life, you begin to see and understand things from a spiritual perspective. God begins to open your eyes and allow you to see things that most folks just don't see, most folks just don't understand. And when that is going on, when that's going on in your life and when that's taking place in in the way you live and where you're at, let me say this, you begin to see God at work in the world and him limiting, holding back the powers of the world, him judging and bringing about his judgments on those things. And you understand that God is is dealing with things. He He is functioning as the one who is in charge. When Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he's saying, I have authority here. I'm working out my will and my way in this world. And so he says to them, listen, He says to Pharaoh, you're going to, you're going to see the flies and the flies are going to be all over you. And, but they're not going to be in Goshen. They're not going to be in the land where the slaves live. It's not going to be where the Israelites are at. And he says in verse 24, and the Lord did so thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh. Notice they come right on into the palace, right on into the, the living areas of Pharaoh himself and into his servants houses into all the land of Egypt. The land was so corrupted because of the swarms of flies. And by the way, these flies in Egypt, generally what they tend to do is they bite and then they lay their eggs in the bite so that they have a place for them to come. So this can be a very horrific calamity. This is, the gnats were, well, they were just a nuisance and a major nuisance, no doubt about it, a major nuisance, but these flies They are a real calamity. The frogs were a nuisance, a major nuisance. If you don't like frogs, it was horrifying, I'm sure. But remember, frogs just hop around and rivet and stink. But uh, the gnats and the flies are bad. The frogs are bad. These flies, they're terrible. They're a calamity on the land. And it says that the land was corrupted because of the swarm of flies, meaning, meaning that this caused, this caused some major issues, sociological issues. It caused some major physical issues. It caused issues for animal and human alike. And then Pharaoh called on Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God, notice, in the land. He is placing boundaries on what he's willing to do in as far as God's will is. And that is bargaining with God. And let me say this, that is the way the world tries to deal with God. If you'll do this, I'll do that. If you'll allow, if you'll take care of this for me, God, I'll walk in that for you. That's not how it works with God. You need to understand. That's not how the world works in relation to God. God is not one to bargain with the world. He's not going to, he's got his will and he's going to work that will out. Now, How that takes place, we don't know. And let me say this Moses tried to bargain with God. We saw that earlier in this book. Moses tried to bargain with God, but God's, God, God's will was that Moses go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let his people go and to bring God's people out of Egypt. Now, did Moses ask, say that he couldn't speak? Yeah. Did God send Aaron to help him and to be an equipper for him? Sure. But that does not change the final purpose for which Moses was going to serve God. God had a purpose and a will to be done, and Moses never, ever negotiated anything less than that perfect, pleasing will from the Father. Pharaoh is trying to negotiate where the sacrifices are going to be made, where the people are going to go. And let me say this, that's not going to work. It's never going to work. It's not going to work. He says, and it says, and Moses said, it's not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God, meaning the that the type of sacrifices that they were likely to do were going to be a abomination to the Egyptians, especially because the Egyptians at that time did not believe you ought to sacrifice or to kill cattle, and that was going to be definitely cattle and sheep. By the way, sheep were considered dirty animals. So the Egyptians would not have wanted there to be sacrifices in their land of cattle and sheep and say, and it says, if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then they will not, will they not stone us? Well, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. And notice, notice Moses is again wavering. He knows he's got Pharaoh under the gun. And so he's saying, I'm going to get, if he'll give me three days journey, I can get away from him. And once I get away from him, God's going to take care of it. He just needs to say, let my people go. That's the end of it. And so many times when we spend our lives bargaining with God as unbelievers, we want to c- carry that into our lives as believers. And I see that in Moses's life and you need to recognize that in your own life. If you spent time bargaining with God before you actually become a person of faith, You need to realize when you're trying to go back to your old ways, when you're trying to walk in the ways of the past, quit bargaining with God. When God says something, submit to his will. When God says something, trust him and act upon it. It says in verse 40, 28. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord, your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Notice he says, I'm going to let you go. You just can't go very far away. Now, that's a bargaining, but it's also an open-ended bargain. He's just saying, I need you to intercede for me. I got you, we got to get rid of these flies. If we don't get rid of these flies, I'm going to have a problem as Pharaoh. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh from his servants, and from his people, but let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go sacrifice to the Lord. What he's saying is don't lie to God. But by the way, if you're bargaining with God, there's a strong likelihood that you are going to lie to God. That that's just those two things generally go hand in hand, and from experience as well as I do, that uh, when you try to bargain with God, generally speaking, those two things go hand in hand. When you're bargaining with God, you're generally uh, heading down a road where you are not going to live up to the bargain, and you are going to deceive. And uh, let me say this: if you read in the New in the New Testament about Ananias and Sapphira deceiving the Holy Spirit, is a it's a very stark and uh, fearful place to be, to be lying to the Holy Spirit. Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his, pe- his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Notice, Pharaoh is hardened his heart. He's a, he's a, he is a man who is not ever going to give in to God's will because he's not a part of the kingdom of God. And ultimately he's really not capable of it. Eventually God's going to have to bring him to his knees for his will to be done. That's a sad commentary, but it's a true commentary on how things are in the world. I would say to you that don't harden your heart. Trust God, obey him, obey him by faith. Walk in obedience because you trust him and you will see, you will see his work in the world. You will see his judgment on the world and you will see his best for your life. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.